0: hey everybody welcome to a special celebrity edition of cannabis tech talks i am your host chuck warner and with me today is cannabis and tech's managing editor trish miller uh today's guest has starred in a whole bunch of movies and tv shows he's had his own sitcom on abc that ran for eight seasons He is now fully immersed in the cannabis world with his 93-acre grow in Oregon, here to talk about his new show on the Discovery Channel, Growing Belushi, and to share with us his immersion into cannabis and also his relationship with Last Prisoner Project, Jim Belushi. Welcome to the show, Jim.
1: Uh, I'm just a gypsy man It's just trying to get along, trying to dance through life, not getting hit in the chin, you know. Uh, I dance, I sing, I I do a little pickpocketing. I wish I was at the conference; I could get lots of great rings and watches and wallets. But you know, this uh, pandemic has cut half my business—the pickpocketing business. The business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit, it's a hard time. I'm a bit playing. of I'm a bit of a criminal, you know. <laughs>
2: Well, last time we talked, Jim, I was at your farm, and we were enjoying some cherry pie, I think, on your gorgeous deck, and uh, you brought up that you were looking into doing the reality show, and you showed me your sizzle reel, and I just thought, man, other people need to see this farm, and how cool it is. Has that been a total trip for your team there, to get used to cameras, and
1: uh, whole, whole well, the whole thing? Well, yeah, uh, you know, is, we don't we're all basically at heart, we're all just working people. Some of us have been on camera as part of our work. And, uh, you know, it it, it was a little hard at first. They were a little shy. Uh, Chris actually, who's really my co star in growing Belushi, he'd never been in front of a camera before. So he was, his talent is he could just be himself because that's who Chris is. is Who he comes off on the show, that's who he is. But, uh, yeah, there's one scene in in, uh, the first episode where NBC doesn't show up to film, you know, to do a news story. And you can see in the wide shot me putting my hand on his stomach, saying, this is devastating. This is devastating. Well, I'm putting his hand, my hand on his stomach because I'm moving him out of my camera shot. It's like he was so unaware of the He'd walk in front of my lens, he would watch. There's another spot when I go, come here, Chris, come here. I'm literally saying, come here closer for the two shot. He doesn't know, but I'm bringing him in for the two shot. I'm keeping them separate for the single. You know, uh, 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 he goes, I don't know what I'm doing. I says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you, buddy. He's quite good in the show.
0: It's, it's all that experience you've got. All that showbiz experience, you know, comes through. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. By the way, as an actor to actor in, in real acting, we do that for each other all the time. Because sometimes you can't see the camera and you push somebody and they know to move a little bit. Or the shadow comes on your face and you do a little move and they know to move, you know, it, it, it's all like kind of nonverbal communication in the middle of the scene. So I'm teaching Chris that.
2: Yeah, well, especially with such a dynamic set like the farm, I mean, it's not like you're just in one confined location, you're moving from spot to spot and Chris is so dry, but it's so, that's what makes it so
1: funny. <laughs> well, you know, in the second episode, we go to Columbia and he loses the seeds and that really happened. I mean, he created a whole storyline being just him. But he does. He loses his glasses. He loses his, his phone. That damn phone. He, lose, he just loses stuff. So uh, believe me, I made the most of it for the show, who he is.
0: <laughs> Has anything surprised you? Um, you know, I mean, just, uh, the whole experience, you know, having, having a show on discovery about growing cannabis. Is there anything that, uh, you know, maybe pleasantly surprised you, uh, throughout the whole process or, or the reaction from the, uh, from the audience?
1: People really like the show uh, and, you know, being an insecure actor, you're always frightened. You're always vulnerable and you put yourself out in the public and you go, But all the comments we've been getting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the press that we've received has been so positive. And I understand that it it meant something to them and it meant something to us. And you know, this show is not a stoner show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People aren't getting high on it. It's about our industry. It's about how difficult it is to be in agriculture. The compliance, selling, uh, marketing, growing—I mean, I learned so much in these last four years. I—I—I I, I feel like I've graduated college, and now the my master's thesis is growing Belushi. So I mean, I've learned so much that i filmed it, and I want everyone else to learn.
2: I really appreciated that about it. I feel like you're sneaking in some educational tidbits that I think for a lot of Americans, it's stuff that they've never heard of. It seems scary. And I think you're doing a lot to kind of personalize it and add that educational component.
1: Well, the the word scary is is important. Yeah. Because what I really want to bring with the show is that it's not scary. Right. I think when... I think this show has an opportunity to bring the red and the blue states. People all have one thing in common and that's medicine. And I'm trying to show people that aren't in our industry who I have access to that it's safe and I want to show them how it's grown. I want to show them the the nutrients are natural. I wanna show them how the OLCC tests, testing, testing, testing. I talk about dosaging. Um, so that's one of my goals and people are responding to that in a, in a positive way. I'm very excited about that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that element of it.
0: There's a lot of science involved, right? I mean, I think that maybe people from the outside would just assume, oh, it's easy, you plant some seeds, you give them some water, you know, you do some things like that. There is a ton. Of science involved, and oh my god, I I, I
1: keep my soil at sixty-four degrees in order for the micronutrients to absorb in the roots better. I keep, you know, the the perlite. I have to have a certain amount of perlite, forty percent, in order for the drainage so the water doesn't stick around the roots. You know, uh, the the the, you know the neem that we use to protect the plants, which in first episode I kill the plants because I left it lights on with the neem burning up the plants which was a learning curve and really happened (laughs) oh yeah yeah the the temperatures the, the ph i mean we're very detailed about the ph the ph is always the same no matter where it's coming whether it's in the cloning process the transferring of the one gallon taking it outside all the way to the end these girls get the best finest water the water comes from the river which is it's like arrowhead water you know uh, we, mm. we feed these girls a beautiful water perfectly ph uh, i can go on, on i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry. <laughs> talking too much it,
0: it's I, I just think it's great man you're passionate about this this is something that you know you're sharing with everybody and and a lot of the casual you know viewers out there i think you're helping to destigmatize you know yeah. campus which which yeah. is important and, and speaking of destigmatizing, you know, let's jump right into advocacy. Um, I know advocacy is really important to you. Um, one of our partners here for this event is the Last Prisoner Project. Yes. Um, and we also have, yes, we have Minorities for Medical Marijuana. These are two organizations that we feel like are doing amazing work. And we just wanted to find out, you know, why are you so passionate about the advocacy and especially, you know, your relationship with Last Prisoner Project?
1: Well, everything's an accident with me. Uh, you know, I'm an improviser as an actor, but I'm an improviser in life. And when you improvise, you always say yes to stuff. Because once you say no, all possibilities stop in writing and acting and in life. And you know, Steve D'Angelo's one of the you know, one of the brilliant men in our industry. And he's such a tireless, strong advocate. And he's been a. He's actually in episode two. <laughs> uh, we see him in Colombia. It was like a happening. It was like, what the hell are you doing here, too? You know. <laughs> anyway. Did plan
0: on meeting him there? It just, no. It just happened.
1: <laughs> no, he was down there to speak in uh, um, Bogota, and I went down to speak in uh, Cartagena, which he was speaking at, too. So we just like. I mean, I saw him on the street, and I was like, at that big parade. It was beautiful. Anyway, my point being is that when Steve came to me about the last Prisoner Project, I I opened my house for the first benefit, and I was just so moved. I was just so moved by him and Mary and what they're doing so, you know, unselfishly, you know, they're just beautiful people and what they want to do in the healing in the world in general, but in the last prisoner project, particularly, I mean, you know, there's 40,000 people incarcerated for cannabis in the United States alone. I mean, while we're out here selling it and making TV shows about it, they're in prison. I mean, Michael Thompson's in prison in Michigan for three pounds. He was sentenced to 40 to 60 years. He served 24 years at this point. His family's collapsed, Mm -hmm. destroyed for three pounds. And now he's got COVID and he's in the hospital. And, but Steve and Mary and this last prison project has made some way into Michigan the state's attorney's office is now on it and they're writing a letter to the governor. Maybe we get Michael out, but it's called Last Prisoner Project because Steve said, we're not stopping till the last prisoner's released. And he's just so inspirational. So he, I find his inspiration as a leader just beautiful. So yeah, he, he caught me in the passion of it. And I mean, unfortunately, communities of color are subject to disproportionate marijuana enforcement practices. And it's just... It's devastating what what, what happens.
2: Yeah, and do you think that big businesses or even medium-sized businesses in the cannabis industry, do they have a responsibility to to do more to help with social equity?
1: Well, I'll tell you who has a responsibility is really the governors who kind of guide the regulations in these new states and like J.B. Pritzker you know, that law that he enacted in Illinois, 600 pages. And, you know, I'm making this number up, but the feeling of it is like 200 pages of it is about, you know, the social uh, equity that's, that's needed. And so, yes, as each state comes on, new facts, new information come out and they incorporate it into their laws and, you know, it's moving in the right direction, never as quickly as we'd like, of course, but uh because it's just should have been done a long time ago, but but that's where I think we gotta that's a lot right there at the governor's office because the governor can also get these guys out of prison. Right. So uh that's where I think a lot of the a lot of the help can come.
2: Yeah. I've been hearing about the idea of automating some of the expungement process, too, um, which is something that we're able to do now on a large scale. So I think once more governors start looking at at that opportunity, it's it'll be a, a much faster process <laughs> in the future, I hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, uh, I got a question for you, Jim. Um, a lot of people think that big business is going to come in and kind of, you know, take over the cannabis industry, especially, um, you know, possibly on the heels of legalization or something on, you know, the national level. Um, but others feel that there's always going to be a place for craft cultivators like captain Jack, you know, um, what, what do you think, or, or how do you envision, you know, kind of the future, um, i mean we've got big breweries and we've got you know craft breweries so no, you, like, I,
1: I was just gonna say that there's, yeah. there's room for everybody you know especially in oregon you know there's snots in oregon we are you know it took me three years for them to even like take me seriously and and they, they've embraced me in oregon i feel part of the community now but i had to earn it i had to be a real farmer a real grower for them to take me seriously and i i love this this place I'm in there now. But, uh, you know, I don't think big business is always bad. I mean, to scale things, you need those kind of operations. You know, I have a boutique farm with 1,200 pounds that I literally drive to the dispensaries and deliver, and I'm happy, you know. uh, But, you know, in the movie industry, what happened was, there were great, great uh, men and women who ran the studios, like uh Your Blondes ran Paramount in the early 70s. That's when, you know, uh, the conversation, Coppola's The Conversation, Raging Bull, uh, Godfather, all these great movies by artists. And they really had a sense of allowing these artists to explore and develop and they scaled it up. But then big business came into the movie industry, television industry, and that's lawyers and accountants. And what they end up doing is putting, they tried to understand creativity and they put data and metrics on something that should not have data and metrics on and they can flatten shit out. Yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen in the cannabis industry, that they still allow the visionaries and the great growers and people like Steve, Angelo to help guide them where this creativity is going and support it with the money that is needed to get it out to other people.
2: And is that why you brought Captain Jack under your team to kind of be able to cultivate some of that that artistry that you saw in the '70s with the smell of SNL? Well,
1: uh, Captain Jack happened because I told Danny I was going to grow cannabis. You know, oh, you better get uh, Captain Jack. Uh, his strain is a marvelous. Strain. Uh, it, uh, you can fly an F sixteen bomber on it. On you know, uh, an appellate judge can be reviewing all his paperwork it. It is a fantastic plant. Uh, We used to keep, we'd have to write into the night till four and five in the morning. And that Captain Jack strain kept us alive and up and funny and fun. And we wrote some of the greatest things on that strain. And he was the, you know, the backstage guy at SNL. So his nickname was the smell of SNL because of those offices, those hallways where they would write would smell like Captain Jack's strain. But that was a land race strain, you know. And uh, the land race strains, some of the ones we found in Columbia, you know, they don't necessarily have that high THC. But they really contain a lot of terpenes. Like Captain Jack's got got one of the strains. We had 5.2 uh, terpene values in a percent. And 72% of that was Myrcene, which is a great terpene that thins the blood, the the, the the walls, the cellular walls in the brain and allows the, the cannabinoids and, the, and the, T, the THC and the cannabinoids and the terpenes to enter uh, better it's an entourage effect. It takes away that kind of paranoia So Mersin is a great terpene, and Captain Jack has a lot of that. We're actually oiling 300 pounds of it, and Select in Oregon, only in Oregon, is behind it. And they're going to release it in mid-September. It's going to be a limited run, but uh, very excited about getting Captain Jack on the shelves.
2: Oh, yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) I mean, they're so creative. You know, I smoked one of those joints with five people and within five minutes we were choking and laughing and cutting each other off and topping each other's jokes and everybody was laughing and it was like I said uh huh I see where cone heads must have come from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sitting in a room collaborating you know and just going back and forth and so it sparks creativity but it also is a deep medicine as Captain Jack. I'm sorry, I got mosquito bites. I'm itching on my leg here. I'm so sorry. Is
0: uh, it, let me just ask you this. Like, I I I totally think that the creativity is one of the gifts of the plant. Um, yes. There's also it's it's got such a social. You know, it's just everything about cannabis is social. You know, you 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 smoke it with people. You share. You know, I mean, before COVID, you'd you know you'd pass the the, the pipe around or the joint. You know, it's there's so many gifts that come from the plant. Um, I think another one that's yeah that, that's really important that you know your show helps to demonstrate. You know, the cannabis media helps to demonstrate is is the actual medical benefits and the endocannabinoid system. I think that that could be you know, one of the, uh, again, one of
1: the sort of big discoveries. Dr. Knox in Oregon. Dr. Knox. She explained the endocannabinoid system that made sense to me. She said, if you think of your body as an apartment building, all these little apartments, it's your body. And you're in your apartment, you know, and you hear like somebody playing loud music across the hall. Well, that music is reverberating down the hall and disturbing everybody on that floor. And he goes, and if you get up and go across the hall and knock on the door and say, hey, man, you know, you're playing that music really loud. And the guy goes, oh, sorry, man. I'll turn it down. The music comes down. Everyone starts to sleep better. They rest. And she said, when the Cannabinoid enters into the endocannabinoid in the body, that's what happens. It quiets the floor of the apartment. So (laughs) you can imagine what it does to the whole, all the floors of the apartment building, right? I like that. I I love that. My body is an apartment building, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I I just think that we are we are at a tipping point right now, and I think that this is a really really exciting time for the industry, for for legalization, for the growth, for the medicine, and for growing
1: Belushi. And Belushi, growing Belushi. Growing Belushi. This show, I wanted to start to you know like an icebreaker in Alaska. You know, I wanted to start breaking the ice and bringing it, the information, the safety and the the medicine to the people who don't know any better, the people that who watched according to Jim. Uh, I'm sorry, did I lose you? No, you're there. uh, uh, You know, uh, regular working people who need medicine. I mean, I believe that the traumas that are caused in our lifetimes isn't just the veterans who witness horrific things, but it's, it's the collapse of family. When a family collapses, it's trauma. Families collapse because of alcoholism, death in the family like mine, my brother John, tragic deaths, car accidents, sickness, somebody who's very sick, with uh, epilepsy or Alzheimer's, a losing of a job, which is what going on right now, there's trauma going on right now. Yeah. Losing a home. All these traumas create a screaming inside of us that we try to manage. And those poor people on the streets of Portland. You know, in that homeless district, they, they, they lost their management. They scream out loud in the streets. And I think if I could just get them an edible, maybe it'll stop the screaming and maybe the healing can begin. So I really believe that we all are screaming from something. I've had a few traumas in my life. And that rushing of the endocannabinoids when anything triggers it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the CBD slows it down. But I believe people reach for alcohol. I'm not against drinking. I, I believe me, I have a beer, whiskey once in a while. But too much alcohol or medicine. Uh, it, it could be Xanax, it could be um, Ambien. Uh, those kinds of things it just cause so much havoc in the, in the, in the body. Why not reach for cannabis? It's gentle. It's beautiful. It's generous. It's healing. It doesn't leave you hungover. It doesn't. It doesn't complicate things. Excuse me, one second, Diana. Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry. So sorry. That's not a right.
2: problem. Jim, do you think that ties into? why you were kind of drawn to incorporating Belushi's Farm with the Blues Brothers um, because of that Blues Brothers adage we're on a mission from God. Do you think that that really marries the two brands together?
1: Well you know the problem within this industry is because it's broken down in the states that each state has its own brands and most branding in cannabis has to do with the pretty package There's no emotional tie to it. And I think real branding has to do with an emotional feeling.
2: Yeah,
1: That's why you buy it. Um, And when you buy it, hopefully, and in my sense, it's really good and clean. So I think the Blues Brothers is how I met Steve D'Angelo. I said I was interested in getting cannabis, cannabis, and he just turned his head. Like, yeah, yeah, another actor trying to license and make money off of us. And I said, no, no, I have a brand. I have a Blues Brothers brand. It's a 40-year brand. It has an emotional tie to people for music, which makes sets our soul free, mischievousness, which is fun and the comedy involved. And I said, and a mission from God. And that mission from God in the movie is to help an orphanage. Well, we're we all orphans in our, in our trauma in the world. And this mission from God is the, the healing, the pathway to healing. And so I believe the Blues Brothers brand really incorporates cannabis and its ideals and its purpose. And uh, and I said, I have a farm and I grow it. I'm not looking for, I already made my, I already got Charmini Bucks i made my money on according to jim you know uh so i need some purpose and, that, and steve has led me along the way with this purpose so yeah i think it's a great brand and and this week actually i'm opening up a dis- dispensary with mitch Kahn at grassroots who is another beautiful man in our industry grassroots he grew this these dispensaries, and these groves that really serve the medicine. Him and I see eye to eye and I really like this guy. I really like Mitch. So I partnered up with him to release that my sacred blues brothers in Illinois. And we're opening a greenhouse dispensary in Skokie, Illinois. And it's a 16,000 square foot Mecca, you know, of honoring what we are involved with. And so, um, yeah, going to bring the Blues Brothers to the to uh, Illinois, the mother of the Blues Brothers. Right, so, bringing it right back, back to the moon. Full circle.
2: That is awesome. Does that feel crazy to have it in your hometown, in home state now?
1: Uh, I feel crazy all the time, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, if there a difference? Uh, yeah. I'm a crazy guy, you know. You know. <laughs> But also making a deal with the people in, in Colorado and Oklahoma, and I'm so excited about uh, launching this brand with those messages and meaning, you know, music, mischievousness, and a mission from God. And it also ties into my brother, you know, died of a drug overdose, for Christ's sake. Talk about collapsing the family. Whew. You know, the family was already collapsed. This just kind of insinuated, just burned up the foundation. Mm. And it was great trauma going on. But I believe that if we knew what we know about cannabis today, back in the early 80s, late 70s, that maybe John would still be alive. I think he was screaming inside and looking for medicine. And cannabis was considered a drug all Schedule 1 with, Coke and hair was all one, mm-hmm. and I, I believe my brother had CTE from playing football, banging his head. He was like all state, all conference middle linebacker, banging his head for years. He had the most tackles. Then he seizure right in front of me. Actually, I saved his life. Wow. Too bad I couldn't save it the second time, but the first time, I you know, his tongue he swallowed his tongue, and I you can know, <laughs> That was it, called the ambulance. But that was from concussions. So I believe as years went on, he was looking for a medicine, something to stop the screaming. So I believe we knew that back then, maybe. I mean, Danny says, "Uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, Johnny was a pothead, he'd be alive today. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right.
2: Wow. Well, I'm so glad you can bring it full circle for the people who enjoy your products and offer that, that medicine and that connection to help heal.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, they might not know when they buy it, but there is a lot of context behind it. And that context also is in the quality and the, you know, controlling of the the nutrients and the pesticides and the safety. And so maybe they might not know it, but all of that's in it. And, if they attach to the emotional part of it, you know what? what have they Blues Brothers made them feel good? Uh, and they come to it because of that. We're still helping them into the light. I think I think it's great,
0: Jim, because you mentioned uh, building a brand. I think authenticity is really important when it comes to you know how consumers perceive a brand. And I think that, yeah, we
1: all want transparency now. Yeah. I mean, the people don't don't tolerate less than transparency. So, you know, I mean, I love all the other guys that are in the industry because they they bring attention to it. You know, the celebrities. But no, man, I'm growing it, man. I'm pH in the damn water. I'm killing plants because I'm stupid. <laughs> at it. Oh, I hate learning things like that. Oh man.
0: Well, Jim, is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience here at Emerge um, about the show, Last Prisoner Project, you know, anything that you've got going on right now? Because it's, it's sure a blast talking to you, and uh, you're a breath of fresh air in the industry. Oh, sure.
1: I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just really enjoy you guys. I really like what you're doing in the industry, and how thorough you are, and I'm grateful to be with you. And, uh, you know, growing Belushi is, is something that all of us in the industry, you should check it out and see what I'm trying to do. If anybody feels like they have something to say about it, let me know. Um, and it's growing Belushi and it's on discovery and you can get it on the discovery go app for free. If you don't have discovery, just go to the app and, uh, You'll enjoy the ride. It's not just a reality show. It's, uh, it's It's got lots of layers in it, and you'll enjoy it.
0: It's, it's absolutely great. I hope everybody checks it out, and uh, it's just a real pleasure to talk to you, Jim. Again, I'm Charles Warner, uh, Trish Miller, Cannabis and Tech Today, and Jim, it is such a pleasure. And Thank uh, you, and Trish,
1: you come back to the farm now, you hear?
0: Please, anytime. I'll
2: be there. Yeah,
1: you're welcome, anytime. <laughs> you should come because, you know, again, the second season, I want to show how to build a greenhouse and all the elements of it. And the farm is different from when you were there. So you should come again.
2: Hey, I'll help. I got my uh, gardening gloves on and I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> all right.
1: Thank you again. Thanks for joining Thanks.
2: us, Jim. It was a pleasure.
1: everybody listening, uh, take it easy. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. See you, Jim. Today's episode of Cannabis and Tech Talks is brought to you by Natoli Engineering. With over half a century of excellence, Natoli is the recognized global leader in tablet compression tooling manufacturing and tablet compression machine parts. It's well known that Natoli manufactures punches and dies of unparalleled quality, but they also provide all the technical knowledge and support equipment you need to maintain tablet quality. Natoli provides a large selection of over 250,000 premium tablet press replacement parts and accessories, making Natoli the one-stop shop in tablet compression tooling. Learn
2: more at (laughs) natoli.com.